0: Well, we, um, we're we actually on our fourth week of Isaiah, uh, the study that we started, and um, we kind of divvy it up a little bit to kind of help give us little blocks of uh, little understanding since it's such a long book. It's not hard to understand. It gives us a good balance of Old Testament and what was happening during the prophetical time. uh Early, especially when Isaiah wrote, but the first six chapters deals with Judah, and we say personal sins, and seven through twelve is Judah's political sins, and within that we see that um, God with us, Emmanuel, was uh, given as a great prophecy. And thirteen through twenty-three, we did last week, a lot of chapters, but it's it's the judgment on one nation after another. Those were all the nations that surrounded Israel. And of course you can think of the two empires. Of course there was even Egypt before and then there was Assyria and then along came Babylon um, and they were all judged by God and of course you see other countries Arabia, Ethiopia, Moab, Eden, Tyre, Syria, Philistia judgment on Israel itself uh, even uh, on Judah to a degree at that point. And so that brings us up today and 24 through 27 is still dealing with judgment one one section after another. But this is dealing with all the nations of the world rather than just those were specific ones that were neighboring nations. And uh, and now it's going to show God is going to judge everybody <laughs> as far as uh, the, the, the nations of the world. And um, this is a global judgment. And, uh, of course, it talks about destruction of God's enemies and then, of course, a restoration and uh, God restoring... Um, to um, uh, you know, you think a judgment upon the world and in the land even. God had warned about the Assyrians coming, Northern Kingdom. He warned Judah about Babylon coming and taking them captive. But that's just kind of a drop in the bucket compared to all of His judgments down through time. And then of course, uh, the execution of that judgment uh, on the whole world. And I guess you could say. Isaiah is making three declarations in this section that we deal with tonight. And really that Israel, or God's people, uh, any, anybody would, can take comfort. Um, there's, there's an awesome day of judgment, but at the same time, it should be encouraging to God's believers because uh, the remnant that he has, the world is just spinning and just heading to the abyss but uh, and sometimes a lot of people would ask well, it just doesn't seem god is ever going to deal with uh, the wicked evil sin that goes on in the world and with all the leaders that we have that are wicked and uh, some might even ask well what hope is there for the righteous it doesn't seem like there's anything of course we know better and of course here's another section that deals with that every time god deals with judgment he always shows his grace too and and so in here, we, we see he has future victory. It's judgment, but yet there are actually a couple of songs here uh, that are chapters. Uh, and it's really dealing with God's deliverance and um, His great grace and mercy, and it's praise to God. So um, anyway, without further ado, why don't we uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, You are the one totally in charge, and we thank You for that. Uh, may we ever be mindful that uh, you're in charge of all things. We know it, but yet we look into your word and we realize that uh, we sometimes just need to be patient to wait on you, and you will make us strong as as we wait, as uh, you have told us. And thank you, Lord, that uh, we know how things will end, but not really end uh, as things will really project into a super bright future that we have and we look forward to that day. In the meantime, uh, we need the strength each day to live through a a world that's in sin and uh, it will be judged. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. On chapter 24, we see that uh, it's a guarantee that God will judge His enemies and all of the nations that He has used, like uh, for instance uh, Babylon or Assyria, He used them to um, punish Uh, the nation of Israel and Judah. At the same time, he's going to also have to judge those that he uses as a tool. And, of course, he has done that and he will continue to do it. So he says in verse 1, I think this kind of lays it out for what's happening here in this chapter. Behold, the Lord, Yahweh, lays the earth waste, devastates it, distorts its surface and scatters its inhabitants. And um, this is um, pretty heavy stuff. When you see what God will do, this is why a lot of people don't like the God of the Old Testament because God does have to judge, and if he doesn't judge, then he is not the God that we think he is. I am certainly glad that he judges sin um, in in the sense that uh, we will not live forever in uh, a world that is sinful. He's a just God. And that's what this really features here. It it shows so many of his attributes in this section. That's what we want to look at. We just want to look at God here. And um, when we realize that uh, he does these things it's because he is righteous. And uh, it says in verse 3 the earth will be completely laid waste and completely despoiled for the Lord has spoken this word. Just like in Genesis 1 let there be light. You know he spoke and, and creation happened. And just the way that he did there, he can speak, and along comes all this devastation, and uh, the world just laid waste. And um, it, and it says the reason why, verse five: the earth is, earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgress laws, violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth. You can go back to Adam and Eve. We can go back to Genesis 3 there, see where sin happened. And uh, we we know that um, the curse was then put on Adam and Eve and uh, that now things are going to change, but it also n- meant that there was a curse on the earth. And uh, ever since then, we know everything has changed compared to what it uh, originally was. And, you know, you look back and what is it, Romans 8, where it talks about all of creation. All of creation uh, has been under judgment because of mankind's sin. It says in verse 20 of chapter 8, "...for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves. So, uh, there we have creation, we have mankind, and what sin did. Uh, It makes it more evident all the time. Every time you see creation and how beautiful it is and how great it is, it's still tainted. And we know uh, that there will have to be a new heavens and new earth one day. But it's amazing how God can be so good in giving us uh, the world that we have and, and experiencing the beauty of it, even despite the fact of what what sin did with it. It gets into... Uh, um as a matter of fact, I think it talks about in verse 2, the people be like the priest, the servant and master, the maid like the mistress, the buyer like the seller, the lender like the borrower, the creditor like the debtor. I'm just saying there that no matter what your position is, no matter what your wealth is, no matter what the um, uh, power is, there's no protection against the, the wrath of God. Uh, he is no respecter of persons. You know, Just because somebody is high and lifted up in the world, it's not that he's... He's going to have favor on them because they are um, just great people. <laughs> he, uh, no respecter of persons, as it's mentioned. So God speaks the word, the world fades away. Matter of fact, it'll it'll burn up as Peter talks about in Second Peter. God has to punish the inhabitants of the world because of their sin. And so the consequences are there. That deals with the devastation. Uh, there's a picture that is drawn up in six through thirteen, and he talks about you know the the, the song, let's see the music, the 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 gaiety, the, the the wine, the tambourines, all of that stuff that's in the world today that uh, the world takes as great joy. He so says there's not going to be any joy at that time because there will be no harvest. The judgments are literally going to destroy crops. uh, It's going to destroy the workers. And God is going to do a thorough job on judging sinners. And uh, it's interesting. It gets down into... um, Verse 13, for thus it will be in the midst of the earth among the peoples as the shaking of an olive tree, as the gleanings when the grape harvest is over. It's just like the farmer gets the very last bit of that, you know, shakes the tree and gets everything off of there. Well, God is going to make a thorough judging. And at some time, we know that um, sin is going to have to end. God will judge it completely. And uh, so, you know, he talks about all the gaiety and uh, the joy is turning to gloom in that section there. When you get into 14 through 16, it changes just for a moment. Then he focuses upon the believers. And, And you read verse 13, and it sounds like, boom, there's judgment. And then he says, they raise their voices, they shout for joy. But the other people are not shouting for joy. They don't have any joy anymore. So this is the remnant, and we get a little glimpse of them there. They cry out from the west concerning the majesty of the Lord. They worship Him and and give Him glory. Uh, They see His majesty. Therefore, glorify the Lord in the east, the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, and the coastlands of the sea. From the ends of the earth, we hear songs. Glory to the righteous one. Songs. They're singing songs. When it's said in... Verse seven: The new wine mourns, the vine decays. The merry-hearted sigh, the gaiety of the tambourine ceases. The the noise of revelers stops. The gaiety of the harp ceases. They do not drink wine with song. There, it's talking they don't have any song anymore. It's taken away. There's noisy. Yeah, <laughs> it's chaos. But this is true um, music, and it's um, songs to God and singing glory to the righteous one. But Isaiah says this, while he's talking about praise there, but I say, woe to me, woe to me, alas for me. Now, why would he say, woe to me, alas for me? Because he has to tell and prophesy and preach to people that this is what's going to happen. We've just seen an illustration of what it's going to be like, but he says, this is great that we can praise God, but um, here it is this is uh this is uh, a terrible woe. How would you like to be uh, telling what 's going to be happen and it 's not that he rejoiced and all of these terrible judgments that had to happen so during the the harvest, I guess you could say when God is harvesting, <laughs> the only singing is going to be coming from the believing remnant in seventeen and eighteen it's talking about there's no place to run, no place to hide. Terror and pit and snare confront you, O heaven of the earth. Then it will be that he who flees the report the disaster will fall into the pit, and he who climbs out of the pit will be caught in the snare. That's traps, snares, like animals. They have to, the traps have been set, and it's just like just whenever they think they might try to get away from this, boom, they're going to go right into another one. There's no place to hide. You can't hide under the rocks. <laughs> uh, When God does his judgment, uh, everything is all laid bare. And then 18 through 20, it talks about the windows of heaven opened up. And it reminds you of Genesis. For the windows above are open and the foundations of the earth shake. Whenever the flood came upon, remember Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. Whenever he brought the big judgment there, everybody knows about that. He says um, in the 600th year of Noah's life in the second month and the 17th day of the month on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were opened. Of course, the rainfall then. We know it's not going to be by water this next time, but it's something similar in that he makes a devastation and he opens it up. The foundations of the earth are shaking. Um... When you see in verse 19, the earth is shaken violently. Um, you know, people have been through earthquakes. This, these would be even more. The earth is reeling and throwing like a drunkard. And it totters like a shack. And so, anyway, that's um, just vivid words that God uses to put into Isaiah. God's going to shake everything up, isn't He? So He's judging. He's judging 21 through 23. Even the spiritual battles that have been happening down through the ages. Uh, verse 21. So it will happen in that day that the Lord will punish the host of heaven on high. Who's that? All the demons. You know they they live in the uh, in in the heavens. You know I think of the uh, uh, like Ephesians 6 and that the kind of battles that go on there and been going on. Um, lord of hosts and the armies of the devil and of course God is going to put judgment upon that says they will be gathered together like prisoners in the dungeon and will be confined in prison after many days they will be punished then in verse 23 gives a glimpse then the moon will be abashed the sun ashamed for the Lord of Hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and His glory will be before His elders. There, the won't need the moon, you won't need the sun. Um, he is the light, and He gives that, and His glory will be seen. So, um, there you, you have a mixture of what's going to happen as far as judgment, and then as far as God giving the good news, though. Chapter 25 is a song. It's a song of praise. It's about God's grace. And so, he says, O Lord, You are my God. Sounds like a good song, doesn't it? (laughs) I will exalt You. I will give thanks to Your name, for You have worked wonders. This is absolute praise. I like this. Plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. His plans never go awry, do they? Everything has been planned out. He is making it happen. And he says, for you have made a city into a heap. And I don't know if that's really one particular city. Uh, from what I gather, it seems like it's it's a generality. You think of cities. You think of uh, this is the the height of man when they have the cities and every everything. Uh, they might have the walls that surround it and all the things that go with it in and, uh, and the great populous and fortified cities and such. of um, course, you think of the great cities of the world like it, whether it be Babylon, right? You think of that. Of course, that represents the, the sinful world as it is and its wickedness. Um, a palace of strangers is a city no more. It says in verse 2, it will never be rebuilt. Therefore, a strong people will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. People that came from there, he has a remnant even in places that you wouldn't think there would be believers. So he says a strong people will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. There will be people inside those places, like even here in the United States, as wicked as it is, if you were to look at the United States in history, looking back a few hundred years ago, wow, what a wicked place that was. We're just talking about abortion there, you know, for instance. And uh, you can go on and on all the things that that's done, yeah. So uh, at the same time, we could be those people in that sense, you know. Um, I like verse four. You have been a defense for the helpless over and over and over. Through the prophets, prophets, they will talk about how the nation of Israel treated. The orphans, um, the widows, the, the poor, the helpless. And here he says, for you've been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in his distress. And then I like this word, a refuge from the storm. A shade from the heat takes the extremes. You have the storm, you have the rain coming down a, and in the worst way, and he's a refuge, he gives that as a vivid imagery, you know, whatever thing is going down. But a shade from the heat, however, whether it be literal heat or heat that we um, take on constantly, and or people do through uh, our lives, uh, droughts and such, but, yeah, go ahead.
1: In Revelation, I thought about the fall of Babylon. It's
0: the 17.
1: same thing as here in Isaiah, because he says, um, That great city, mm-hmm. in a single hour, all her wealth has been laid waste. And he talks about the merchants and the seafaring mm-hmm. men. They all stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. And it says, uh, in a single hour she has been laid waste. And then it says, rejoice over her again, and, mm. and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. got mm. the rejoicing from the, his people, and you've mm. got glow and... Those that enjoy that kind of
0: that's right. That's definitely... Yeah, that that fits uh, perfectly there because it talks about the songs. They don't have a song anymore. God's people do. Yeah, yeah. The wealth that was represented there. This, I mean, that was the way of the world. I mean, that's a perfect picture of the world, isn't it? In all of its ways. And of course, you think of the
1: great place. great, great. when the Bible, you know, uses great, it doesn't usually mean wonderful. <laughs>
0: well, you're right. Do you remember when we did Jonah? Yes. And it talked about Nineveh, that great, great city. city. <laughs> and Nineveh, again, is the same picture that yeah. Babylon would be. Yeah. That's, that's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot in, in Revelation there that just um, probably gets even more descriptive uh this goes through it in a in a general way. But even though you have great word pictures here, it gets into even the depth of that, especially that chapter seventeen and eighteen is uh revelation is where you're at on that one. Yeah. Um, He's about what they're thinking. Right. What's that? you
1: talking about what they're thinking is that they're witnessing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um there's protection, there's refuge for God's people. I uh I like that. Um, it says in verse 6, it says the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain. There's the, the believers. There you have the, the wine, the, the choice pieces with marrow. Um, and then verse 8. Look at this. I know I'm skipping over some of the things. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces where where have we seen that before? That's a revelation
1: <laughs> right
0: yeah all all of this is a, so much of this right there, swallowing up death and um of course yeah you you think of that passage you have to think of um of course the resurrection chapter you know first corinthians fifteen uh, god is uh, a refuge you have to think of deuteronomy. Um, chapter 32. I mean, this is really encouraging. To me, you know, yeah, it's really dark judgment and it's a shame that it happens and and in one sense you're, you're sad for all the people that have not trusted in God. But yet at the same time, we know we have hope. We always have the refuge. We have the rock. So in Deuteronomy 32... Verse 3 For I proclaim the name of Yahweh, ascribe greatness. Now there's, there is true greatness there. We see The great cities, now we have the greatness of our God, and I think that just um, <laughs> shows the extremeness. I think,
1: very, I think it's almost like I take it as part of the sarcasm when he says the great cities of this one. If a great God, then you know. To people
0: it looks great, God. but yeah, yeah, to God. What is it calling there in verse 4? The rock. Now there are Hollywood actors called a rock. (laughs) Peter was called a rock, but here's here is the rock. The rock. Matter of fact, mine has exclamation point there. His work is perfect, for all his ways are what? Just a God of faithfulness. Look at all the attributes here, you know? And without injustice. He's faithful. He is without injustice. Righteous and upright is he. So everything that he's going to carry out will be perfect in all of his ways. And you know he was he was faithful whenever he judged the world. He kept Noah and his family during the flood. He he got them through that. Uh, how about Israel uh, at the time of Egypt? And even though they were slaves. You know, there they were. They'd been in Egypt for 400 years. Uh, how about Rahab? He protected Rahab when Jericho fell. And then you can think of his faithful remnant that was in Judah, whenever they were taken captive to Babylon. Even somebody like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and, and uh, many of the people that were believers that were that were taken there. And so he was faithful to them. He he was the rock. Are you still in Deuteronomy was it uh, 32 right lost my place Uh, we did 3 and 4 verse 30 uh, how could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had given them up indeed their rock is not like our rock even our enemies themselves judge us. So he, there, he's called a rock. How about chapter thirty-three, verse twenty-seven? The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And I drove out the enemy before you and said, "Destroy." Uh, he's a dwelling place. He's the eternal God, everlasting, and he's the dwelling place that we have. You know, he's the refuge. Uh, oh, we have to think of Psalm 46 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Great passages to deal with whenever we think we're having some battles or struggles. And chapter 61. Verse 2, from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a refuge for me, a tower of strength against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Oh, Those are, those are beautiful. God cares for His own, doesn't He? Then uh, he, um, he used uh, the image of the, uh, a feast, a lavish banquet. Uh, you can think of all the the good things that uh, God not only does here, but for eternity, what He'll do. And, uh, of course, wiping away the tears. I think even in Isaiah 65, back near the end of Isaiah 65:19, And I will also rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people, and there will no longer be heard in her the voice of weeping and the sound of crying. Wipes those tears away. No more tears, no more sorrow. Chapter 26, another song. Two words that keep sticking out here righteousness and peace. You'll just see them. I just circled all those there. I don't know, I didn't count them, but uh, there's several. And this is about trusting in God and all the protection that He has. And you'll see in verse 1, that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Verse 3, open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. Verse 3, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace. Verse 4, here we have a rock again. Trust in the Lord forever, for in God the Lord we have an everlasting rock. And there's that God the Lord again. And the best that I can get out of is God the Lord. It, It means Yahweh, which is, again, that's his personal name. We have an everlasting rock, I think, yeah, this is the uh one of the main verses that 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 old great song was taken from rock of ages, at least that's one of those of course it's rock is all over the place, but we have the everlasting rock rock of ages and, and everlasting means ages, rock of the ages so there there's that title um. Verse seven, uh, again he talks about the the way of the righteous is smooth, o upright one, make the path of the righteous level, so there he talks about righteousness, the way of it is we saw the highway earlier in great imagery that God is going to have it 's like a smooth highway, you know rather than all the briars and brambles and the thieves on the way that that, that you know he 's going to make it a a, a beautiful way. Um, To him, uh, peace, righteousness, uh, the straight path. Uh, What is in Isaiah 40, introduces a prophecy of John the Baptist. He'll make the ways straight, right? The path straight. Same kind of thought there. Uh, So it'll it'll be a level. Righteousness and peace. Uh, Verse 9, right at the end of 9, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. Verse 10, though the wicked has shown favor, he does not learn righteousness. The unbeliever doesn't learn righteousness. He doesn't perceive the majesty of the Lord. Christians perceive the majesty of the Lord. Believers do. Um, verse 12, Lord, you will establish peace for us. You look at all this judgment, it doesn't seem like there's any peace. <laughs> it's all in him. And, and 12 also, since you... Have also performed for us all our works. You have done that, um, boy. Um, oh, He says in verse fourteen, "The dead will not live; the departed spirits will not rise." There he's talking about the leaders and such. They're not going to be leading anymore. And of course, they of course they die, and they're not going to come back up and and um, bring forth their evil leadership. Um, Verse 19, though, is on the other side. You're dead. You're dead will live. This is a promise of resurrection here. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your due is as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. That's resurrection right there. You don't get a lot of resurrection in the Old Testament, but there it's a guarantee. The Pharisees believed in resurrection. But there was another group, whenever Jesus came on, the political group, the Sadducees, who didn't believe in resurrection. So they wouldn't have believed in this passage here. And for good reason, they didn't really believe the rest of the book after the Pentateuch was inspired anyway. But...
1: Even David, King David, when that one son died, he didn't mourn any longer because he didn't
0: receive right. Exactly. Exactly, and Job, yeah. and of course Isaiah is going to mention that again um, in Isaiah 53. He mentions the resurrection of Christ, but also for his people. Um, that's that's quite a song. And chapter 27 is um, con- he just more or less continues what he was doing in 26. Um, I like verse 2, In that day a vineyard of wine, sing of it. A vineyard. Remember in chapter 5 of Isaiah, he talked about a vineyard that he prepared, he made it perfect, and you know everything was all laid out, everything was done, should have been the best vineyard that you could possibly have, but it turned out to be a waste, didn't it? And, of course, he is comparing that to, to Israel. But here he says, now, I, in that day, there's going to be a vineyard. And I'm its keeper. Uh, if he's the keeper, <laughs> guess what? It's going to be perfect. It's going to be kept very good. A matter of fact, at the end of verse 3, I guard it night and day. Not that anybody's going to be a threat, but it's like, you know, he will make sure that this is the perfect vineyard. Uh, um, talks about um, the fruitful vineyard there. Um, verse nine. Therefore, through this, Jacob's iniquity will be forgiven. This will be full price of the pardoning of his sin. What he makes all the altar stones like pulverized chalk stones. When a and incense altars will not stand. All of idolatry uh, is done. And um, verse 12, In that day the Lord will start His threshing. Now this is a good threshing this time. You know, He's made a harvest, a harvest of judgment. Now He talks about the threshing from the flowing stream of the Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, and you will be gathered up one by one, O sons of Israel. So now He's going to call all of His people to Him. It'll come about also on that day that a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were perishing in the land of Assyria and who were scattered in the land of Egypt. These were two nations, empires. The Egyptian empire was, you know, the empire of, of the world for such a long time, and Israel had memories there, not so fond, and of course, God delivered them out. But there it is, we see that there'll be people of Egypt who become worshipers of God. The same way with Assyria. As evil as they were, as they came and um, scattered and destroyed the, the ten northern tribes. And yet, there they will be worshiping together. We talked about that last week. And again, he brings those two nations up along with Israel. And it's, it's talking about, when we're talking about the whole world here and People that are remnant all over. He says they will come and worship the Lord in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. They will worship together, and um, boy, doesn't that ever give you um, great hope? And we we know that you know this. I mean, God revealed a lot just in these four chapters. You see all the um, the the nature, the characteristics of God, His faithfulness, His uh, of course, he he's righteous, but he's a peaceful God. He has grace. He has mercy. It just goes on and on, and it's it's just like it just one fold after another. You see the the beauty of God in this, but he's absolutely perfect in his justice, and his wrath has to be done, or elsewise he is not a just God.
1: But even left, in
0: That's right. A restoration. He will restore. Mm-hmm. Even though He will destroy this world as we know it the way that it is now, it'll be made again and no longer under the curse of mankind's sin.
1: To be
0: <laughs> How good God is. Future victory. And that's in a book that is nothing, but it just seems like it's just judgment one chapter after another, but almost in every chapter you still see the greatness of God.
2: It's the same story all the way through. Uh, What Janice read in Revelation about the city being destroyed. In that very next chapter, the people of God are singing praise to God, because (laughs) Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power, because his judgments are true and righteous, because of that judgment. A second time they said, Hallelujah.
1: Mm-hmm. Hallelujah.
2: And then going down to the Father, it says, Hallelujah, for the Lord God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It, you could mm-hmm. just almost overlay. Yeah. This chapter, beautiful. with all of the prophecies in Isaiah and other places, mm-hmm. is that right? because it's one story mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. beginning to end.
0: Absolutely,
1: they it's a beautiful thing, it's isn't like it? He just deals with different personalities yeah. to show it doesn't matter. Yeah, He's still
0: a I uh, take I take great joy in in thinking of that how God has laid the story. You know, you, you have you have creation. Then you have the fall, but then you have redemption, and that, that promise. Then, then you have the. So
1: that keeps showing you man how they fail over and over. <laughs> they can never get it right. You know what you you say say is, is yeah. You know, some people like to make Americans do better than next thing. but everything centers around Jerusalem, mm-hmm. around that part of the country. The Americans are really not even. Part of any of this Old Testament anywhere. I mean, all these nations that you talk about. So it's like, had had man not populated that part of the world at the time of our Lord, to the point that it wasn't even a, an issue.
0: Oh, you mean where we're at now?
1: Yeah, where we're at now, from where we where most of this, you know, was written and stuff. I mean, before Columbus, they all thought, you know, oh, yeah. couldn't
0: get east to west, you know. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you would think, okay, it's, you know, to a lot of people, they'd be reading about all those countries there and everything. And then you get to where we're at, like today, which we just read, that takes in all of the countries in all of time. I guess really you could you could you could sum all that up, and that that does put us in that sense. But even though we take great nation uh, great pride in this nation, we understand is uh, isn't it really isn't any better than any of those. And then even if it were, it's still going to fall under the judgment of all this nation. Babylon
2: was a city at one time. It was a physical place. I mean, it was really right. Bad. But almost all of time through the Bible Babylon is a world system yeah, it's a that's not mm-hmm. it's not a city somewhere anymore. Mm-hmm. It's a world system that includes our system
1: mm-hmm.
2: of government and our big
1: the mindset cities
2: and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all going to come down
1: mm-hmm.
2: and that's talked about in that Revelation chapter 17 and 18. So I think we're there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: we're not named but we're part of the, the Same country as part system. of
1: the system. Mm-hmm. We can identify with that, can't we? I just saying that, you know, what happens to them, yeah.